Lee Edwards is a menopause coach. I'm so excited about today's episode as we're going to cover perimenopause, menopause, how to manage some of the side effects, and we're going to make menopause matter. Lee Edwards is the founder of Meno Unleashed, which I'm just really honestly so excited about delving into these topics today. So let's go. Welcome to Living My Restless Life podcast. I'm your host, HPG. In season two, you'll continue to hear about how we can heal no matter what we go through, some tips and truths for self-improvement, and some little nuggets of wisdom for finding yourself on your path. I'll be hosting some mini-sodes, interviewing some awesome guests, and of course, some episodes with my occasional co-host, Martha. So let's go. On today's episode, we have guest Lee Edwards, who is a perimenopause, a menopause expert, and that's what we're going to cover today. So let's go. Hi, Lee. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. I'm very excited to be here and talk about something that affects millions of women worldwide, and that is menopause. So tell me all about perimenopause. Okay, so let's start by setting the scene, okay? If you think of a woman's reproductive life as a beautiful play in three acts, the first act is puberty, and that's when menstruation begins. And the second act is the reproductive years, often filled with childbirth, pregnancy, that sort of thing. And then the third act comes, and that's the transition away from reproductive years to the non-reproductive years. And this transition is perimenopause, which literally means around menopause. And I think it's important to approach the subject with a positive mindset because during perimenopause, the body's production of hormones like estrogen and progesterones become more irregular, which often leads to changes in menstrual patterns. And some women experience heavier or lighter periods, while others may have their cycles shorten or lengthen. And it's a bit like the body's final reproductive hurrah, as you will. And this stage can actually lead for several years up to menopause. Tell me a little bit about an average age range when women start to experience perimenopause. Have you noticed a pattern in age in your research and work? Yeah, so the uh, I think, and I'm just, because I'm from the UK, I'm basing my statistics on, on my knowledge of the UK. But menopause is, um, which is defined as um, 12 months since your last uh, menstrual period. And the average age for uh, women to hit menopause in the UK is 51. Um, so it's probably a lot younger than what a lot of your listeners are thinking about. Um, but in my experience, a lot of women in their sort of like early to mid 40s start hitting those menopause signs and symptoms um, a lot younger than you would usually associate it with. Because, like, for example, I thought menopause happened to old ladies in their, in their 60s, you know. 
I went into surgical menopause at 41, and I was in perimenopause prior to that. So it's interesting to think about the U.S. versus the U.K. in terms of age. So tell us about menopause. I'm so excited to have a guest on the show that will talk about menopause because it's something that I personally have been struggling with for the past two years. So I'm I'm interested to hear, set the stage for what is menopause? Going back to our analogy, menopause is like the grand finale of this three-act play. And um, as I mentioned earlier, it's technically defined as a period, um, 12 months since the woman had her last menstrual period. So 12 consecutive months without one. At this stage, basically, you can think of your ovaries as having retired from releasing eggs and producing most of the estrogen. Um, And then you can say that the woman is now in, in menopause. But the signs and symptoms are the similar, like you don't have one set of symptoms for perimenopause and then you have this magical menopause that happens and then in postmenopause you have a, an entirely different set of um, signs and symptoms. It's the gradual decrease in, in those hormones that have the same um, symptoms at the end of the day. Say more about the symptoms. Yeah, so the, the symptoms, are, and, and you must remember that every woman's journey is, is different and her experience to both perimenopause and menopause might be a bit different. So the things that come to mind is that the hot flashes and the mood, mood swings. Uh, those are, are some of the more sort of challenging uh, signs and symptoms. But it can bring about a host of other um, related symptoms. So I've mentioned the irregular periods. Um, you can have, along with the night, the hot flashes, you can have night sweats. Um, this leads to insomnia, and a lot of people complain about insomnia when they're going through menopause because they basically just can't sleep. They're too hot. They, they have sweats. Um, and then this insomnia can then lead on to other things such as exhaustion, fatigue. That's where the irritable moods come in. So, um, you know, it can be a range of symptoms um, that you can experience. And the intensity can be experienced differently by different women. Most definitely. The hot flashes, I feel like they come on very spontaneous. There's really no pattern throughout the day. And I am on fire. It's like an internal feeling of just so hot. And prior to leaving my nine to five as a social worker, I would be conducting meetings and have to say, hold on a minute, I've got to take, you know, my cardigan off. And, you know, then over a span of time that would pass and then I'd become really cold and have to put the cardigan back on. And that in and of itself can swing your mood. What have you observed that can be helpful for folks who are having hot flashes? Yeah, so I think some of the most important things is to to be aware of it and to bring this awareness into your workplace. And fortunately, more and more workplaces are are doing that. But I can absolutely relate to that. Um, You know, 
my my job um, as a project manager, I would be in a boardroom meeting and all of a sudden it feels like it's a volcano that's going off. Um, and there's clothing now, like a menopause clothing range that you can get. It's the light cottons and, and things like that. And then um, some of the other important things that you can do um, is maintain a, a healthy lifestyle because a lot of the other symptoms like um, putting on weight, everyone's got the meno belly, that can actually contribute to the um, effects of the hot flashes. Um, it's like, you know, you've got extra insulation, as it were. And then the other thing um, that's important to remember as far as the, the hot flashes and, and things like that go is um, lifestyle changes such as do you drink alcohol? Because alcohol um, it can actually make those symptoms worse because what, what happens with the hot flashes is you've got a part on, in your brain called the hypothalamus, and this is kind of like your temperature regulator of your body. And because of the decrease in the hormones, um, the hypothalamus isn't getting regulated by those hormones. So you, you battle to control your temperature. And one of the things that can affect you is, is drinking alcohol. And uh, a lot of women have reported to me that just by giving up drinking alcohol, has helped with their hot flashes and their night sweats and, and things like that. So there's quite a few different lifestyle changes that you can make. That is interesting. And I have to say, as a sober woman, a sober gal, I am so glad that I had taken that out of my life prior to menopause, because that sounds like that would be one more attribute that would heighten or exacerbate the symptoms. So you touched on the minnow belly. I want to hear, and I want the listeners to hear about maybe what that is and how we can help that because that is that is a struggle that I'm currently struggling with and I cannot be alone. Yeah, well, this is one of the things that I work on with my um, coaching clients is that uh, I've got a background in hypnotherapy. So I do a hypnotherapy gastric band sessions for my clients. Um, and as part of that program, you, you go into um, the basics of nutrition and uh, particularly what women um, in this stage of their life should be avoiding, um, what they can use as supplements, um, sort of like natural um, supplements that can help them with this. And uh, we have a look at things like, well, do you have emotional eating? Because uh, a lot of women have that anxiety and then it leads to this emotional eating. So, um, you know, this um, hypnogastric band that I do lasts four or five sessions. Um, and then we go into the hypnosis side of it. And, um, yeah, I've got some some good results um, out of that. But, yeah, it's like, you know, having a healthy lifestyle and understanding what you should and shouldn't be eating, having a balanced diet getting enough sleep, regular exercise, you know, the old uh, move more, eat less um, kind of thing. So, yeah, there's there's quite a few things that you can do. And a lot of these things do help you to manage stress. You know, when you touched on, like, managing the anxiety, I would imagine I have experienced an increase in anxiety. It's hard to tease out what's what, you know, you know, is this menopause? Is this being 
thankfully new to cancer survivorship? Is this because I have a toddler? Is this because, you know, we just moved, which is a huge life change. So it's hard to tease out, but I have noticed that my anxiety has increased. Thankfully, I don't drink anymore, but I have had periods of emotional eating. So yeah, with the increased anxiety, I could see how we would lean on other things to manage that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, it's it becomes a, a vicious cycle, you know, and most often the women that I work with have been to their doctor, their general practitioner, and um, they've said, well, this is the symptoms that I'm having. Um, and the next thing, you know, they get put on to antidepressants because these menopause or perimenopause symptoms can actually mimic depression, the low moods, the lack of energy, the fatigue, the insomnia. Um, and they, a lot of women get put on antidepressants straight away without actually going, hang on a minute, you know, perhaps because you're a woman of a certain age, we might want to have a look at um, your hormone levels, for example. And I think, I mean, I, I faced that myself in, in my journey. I was put on antidepressants, you know, and uh, I'm not too sure how it is in the States, but in the UK, the National Health Service is so overburdened and underfunded that uh, the doctors have got, I think, eight minutes to see each patient. Uh, and it's much easier for them to kind of just write you a script for antidepressants when perhaps it's not really necessary. That's not your your main issue. I can speak to only my lived experience. And I noticed that my doctor would say, okay, I hear you and defer to psychiatry. And psychiatry would say, I hear you defer to gynecology to get your hormones tested. And then now, you know, I had a hormone-driven cancer, so, and I take further hormone suppressants to suppress the hormones that come from your adrenal glands. So after that, it was just take this antidepressant and everything will be fine. And as a cancer survivor, I've taken a lot of medication and still do. And that didn't... Um, land well as a suggestion for me that I felt like was for me. So yeah, I think that's something that I I know that's something that I have experienced in the United States. And we are also overburdened in our healthcare system. And the doctors are on a time in which they can only spend X amount of time with their patients. So some alternatives to more than just an antidepressant, which there is absolutely no shame in taking an antidepressant. Folks who are listening, if you feel like you need it, please take it. But as a person who has struggled with mental health, I, I kind of have a good grasp at this point of what's going on. So I say that to say, Lee, what are some things that we can do. It sounds like, you know, eating properly, exercise, you know, wearing the different light fabrics and trying to improve our sleep hygiene. So what type of things have you seen that are helpful? You had touched on hypnotherapy earlier. Tell us a little bit more about that. 
So we've we've gone over exercise and, and healthy diet. Um, and then if we move on to sort of mind-body techniques, practices like yoga and meditation and deep breathing exercises can help reduce stress and anxiety. Um, and obviously stress and anxiety can exacerbate the menopause symptoms. Um, hypnotherapy is one such technique, um, mind-body technique. Um, so that's what I do with a lot of my clients. And I've got hypnotherapy for um, hot flashes, for insomnia, for anxiety. I've even got one um, called Ignite Your Libido and Sail Through Menopause. So there's a variety of different hypnotherapy sessions that I do. And then you can go on to um, herbs and supplements. So for instance, black cohosh is very good. Um, St. John's wort, um, evening primrose oil. Um, so there's a variety of different um, herbal supplements that you can have. Acupuncture can also be very good. Um, some studies have suggests that uh, acupuncture can reduce hot flashes and improve sleep quality. Um, and then it's maintaining that health, healthy weight because the weight can. It's like a twofold thing. You tend to put on more weight during this period of your life and you battle to shift it in this period of your life. But the weight gain can, as I mentioned earlier, exacerbate these menopause symptoms. But I think it's important to to remember that um, each individual's needs are different, and um, it's important to discuss these things with your healthcare provider. I agree. My next step is acupuncture. I think that could be quite helpful, and luckily, my insurance covers it. Um, that's a luxury item for a lot of folks, and that is going to be my next stop in handling the anxiety and the hot flashes and the maybe the weight loss if the anxiety and hot flashes are a little more controlled that may may allow more space for extra movement and I have been searching since November of 2021 for someone to talk to about this because it's in the United States it's not something that is discussed it's a taboo subject in a lot of ways. And my motto is make menopause matter. And that's kind of what drives me is make menopause matter. And it is getting better in uh, the United Kingdom. I can't speak for the States, but um, for example, managers are now sent on menopause training, particularly male managers. And it's all part of the diversity and um, inclusion and, and practices and, and things like that. But it is becoming more mainstream, should I say, but it's still very much a taboo. And it's you don't really get educated as a young young lady, a young girl. I mean, our, our mothers never spoke about it. Our grandmothers certainly wouldn't have spoke about it other than she's going through the change, you know. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it is becoming more... Um, up front, and I know in the um, the UK that they even want to put into the national uh, education curriculum about menopause, so that you start getting to understand it um, from a you know quite a young age, from school going age. But there's still a lot more that can be done. So make menopause matter is my motto. I love that motto. It does matter, 
And I feel like the, and this is a personal feeling, I feel like the experience is, oh, she's just hot and flashy and grouchy because she's in menopause, you know, like, and I don't want to run around at 43, it's my current age, feeling grouchy and rude and snappy and short. Like, that's not the baseline that I want to be. So, yeah, so thank you so much for sharing some of those tips and coming on the show and giving true air and voice and making menopause matter because it does. It really does. It's something that is a true struggle. And for folks like me who hit menopause head on when my ovaries were evicted at 41, I was like, okay, I've lost my breasts, but my, you know, having that total hysterectomy was actually harder on me mentally than my mastectomy. And when you go to your providers and you really don't have friends going through menopause because you're 41. So there's like not a lot of voice to it. So thank you for giving that today. And just tell us really briefly about what you do and where we can find you. Yes, thank you, Heather. First of all, um, again, thank you for this opportunity to allow me to speak about this um, passionate subject. And um, I work as a menopause coach, so I have a 12-week one-to-one coaching program, and um, I focus a a lot on the nutrition, the exercise. Obviously, what is it? Because, you know, a a lot of women don't understand, so there's a huge element of of education on there. and I do hypnotherapy as well. So, uh, you know, all, all those things that you mentioned about menopause, uh, about um, acupuncture, I do a bit without needles, uh, which is great. And, um, yeah, basically you can find me on uh, menopauseunleashed.com. Um, that's my website. And uh, that's also my um, social media um, is Menopause Unleashed. I'll make sure I link this in the show notes and share the information through Instagram. So thank you so much for helping make menopause matter. I love that mantra. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Heather. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living My Breastless Life. Head over to Instagram and follow According to HPG to stay connected to the show. Go get your mammograms. All right, y'all, the podcast has its very own Instagram, living my BLL pod. So go check it out and give us a follow.